1: Benchmark's taking a break over the American Thanksgiving holiday week. For those who missed it, we're rebroadcasting one of the more encouraging episodes from this year. It's the story of a refugee's journey from a Balkans concentration camp in the 1990s to become a pillar of the business community in Red State America. We hope you enjoy it. America's post industrial rust belt is a landscape where you'd think Donald Trump's anti immigrant message struck a chord. But all isn't as it seems, even in Missouri, a state that went overwhelmingly for the president in November. We're talking about St. Louis, and where a wave of immigrants from Bosnia, many of them Muslim, have helped revitalize this economy. And it's not just St. Louis. The same thing's going on in once mighty manufacturing powerhouses such as Detroit, Cleveland and even Lowell, Massachusetts. This week on Benchmark, we examine how the global economy came to middle America and middle America never looked back. I'm Daniel Moss, Executive Editor for Global Economics in New York. My co host this week is Michelle Jamrisco, an economics reporter for Bloomberg in Washington. Michelle, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Michelle, this episode is based on reporting you and our colleague, Eric Englert, did uh, from St. Louis last month. Now, you found a few surprises when you went into the heartland. What's the genesis of the story, and what surprised you the most?
2: Well, you introduced it quite well in the the political framework. I mean, you would think that in a, a red state, a very red state like Missouri, that the the big city, uh, St. Louis, would be a little pro-Trump at well as well at least. But really, this immigration issue did not strike a chord at all with the city. We found in St. Louis, people across all industries, um, of advocacy, nonprofit, business, people on the street, they were not only appreciative of the immigrant community and, and refugees, but they really clung to that community. As is a source of economic livelihood. I mean, this is an area that is in the heart of the Rust Belt that has a very, um, you know, excruciating transition to services economy as as much of the country. And they just really did appreciate this immigrant community.
1: And just so we're clear, when we talk about a deep red state, we're talking about the presidential level. Mm-hmm. Claire McCaskill was reelected in 2012. Uh, Roy Blunt had at one point what looked like a competitive race, and the governor contests there are sometimes competitive. We're talking about red at a presidential level.
2: Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly.
1: And now, Michelle, we'll get to a guest, a special guest, in just a second. But did this trip also help highlight some of the nuances in this sort of, you know, north-south, red-blue divide? I mean, it feels from the reporting you've done – and what our guest is about to say, that it's no longer simply red state, blue state. That's like so 90s. That's so <laughs> class of 94-ish. Really, it's urban rural. And it's almost not even that. It's in transition to urban suburban divides.
2: Yes, it's definitely urban, rural, urban, suburban. And it's also national security versus economic, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to as well. But uh, in the urban versus suburban and rural, I mean, in St. Louis, you see really the heart of the city uh, going pretty overwhelmingly for Clinton. But, you know, the surrounding counties going very much, you know, in, in excess of 60 and 70 percent for uh, for Trump and much of the rest of the state going for Trump as well. So really a divide. And much of that played out in this issue on their feelings on immigration.
1: And we have a special guest on the line, one of the business owners from St. Louis, who came from Bosnia, who was featured in the story. Sidik Kukic, welcome to the show. Hi. Now, you are the owner of a business called the Taft Street Bar. Tell us a bit about that.
3: I opened this place in uh, 2003 and I've been open ever since. Uh, before that, I have a uh, small restaurant, small seafood restaurant also in St. Louis city area and uh, I came in 1993 as a refugee here in St. Louis.
2: And Sadiq, tell us a little bit about your arrival uh, in St. Louis and your first impressions of the city. Um, maybe not many people know that refugees don't exactly have a, a you know, high choice of where they're they're placed by the State Department. So what did you think of St. Louis when you were told that that's where you would arrive, and, and what were your first impressions when you
3: got here? Well, I, I didn't know exactly where I'm going and beginning when I applied to come in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was coming from Belgrade. And uh, also, I was in two concentration camp in hold by Serbians. Mm. Serbs. So uh, we apply, me and my brother, we apply for the city on the river because we used to work on boats. Anyway, so we ended up in Saint Louis right after flood. Mm. Mm. Uh, came here with no much money. I didn't speak any English. And I have uh, 100 German marks, which was equal 58 U.S. dollars back then. So we came to International Institute, and uh, that was it. And uh, we worked our way up. I started working as a prep cook in one small Mexican restaurant. Of course, I didn't speak any English, and all recipes were in Spanish. So welcome to United States.
1: You know, Sadiq, it sounds like a classic immigrant story. I mean, I'm one myself, but I certainly wasn't a refugee, and I certainly uh, you know did not spend time in a concentration camp. Did your experiences prior to leaving Bosnia did that infuse you with a overwhelming drive? to make it in the United States, despite arriving with just a few German marks in the pocket. And it's interesting to hear you say marks. I'm used to hearing euros, but it's a sign of the times that were then. Tell us about what went through your mind when you found out you were going to St. Louis, and did you have any sense of how you were going to make it and become the pillar of the community that you now are?
3: Well, back then you know, you are looking to save your life, and uh, I was uh, I was for about 10 months in Belgrade, and the country was, they said, no in a war, but they have uh, a lot of police on the street, and you know, sometimes I will get stopped when, uh, when, when, when I went to buy a bread, and sometimes I will get arrested because they have uh, questions for me, but you know, when I finally get into program to come in United States, I uh, I didn't think that it will happen. To be honest with you, because it was very hard before war to get into United States, and I never thought that I will I will be one of the people who will be living in United States. And uh, you know what we know about United States back from the movies. We know about life of the hollywood and uh big cities and we didn't know anything about crime and poverty and you know that some people experience here in united states and uh you know not, not everybody living in the world that we thought that that that's what is all about america but when we come here i ended up in south side of st louis city where was uh, diversity? You have uh, all kinds of people, uh, Arabics, uh, and, and I was one of the first Bosnians who came, no, first, but first dozen families that, that came as a refugee here. So, you know, we didn't know anybody. I, I didn't know anybody or anything about where I am and uh, how to get anywhere. So, you know, later on we start uh, coming in international institute to start learning English and, 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 and way to behave in United States because here is different than anywhere else that I've been.
1: And tell us about the business that you started. How did you get the money to start a business and then expand it?
3: Well, I was I on was the beginning, I was... Uh, starting as a, as a prep cook and working my way up and four years later I become executive chef at Missouri Botanical Garden. and uh, uh, money was much better but still I didn't think that I will have uh, uh, money to open up and I started going on uh, restaurant auctions, uh, buying used stuff, uh, chairs, tables and things like that. And storing that in couple garages that I that I rented from the friends who work for with me. And then uh, when when company that I work for uh, didn't negotiate the contract, I I was out of work, and uh, I was start looking for the place. Went in one place, and and woman that I tried to rent it from, she was really unreasonable. And I, uh, I didn't sign the contract, so I, I went on lunch with friend, and uh, I, I, uh, I talked to the owner, and he said, Well, I'm moving next door. I said, "Who's well, going to be here. He said, Well, I don't know. So I, I asked him for the name of the property owner. He didn't give me that. I, I find out, and I uh, talked to the guy, and I signed the lease same day. And start working on rehabbing the property because it was in very bad shape. Uh, money. I borrowed some money from my family and I put some money on my credit cards, which was really bad idea. <laughs> but, uh, when I opened my first restaurant, I have, uh, 350 bucks on my account and I have two car payments and house payment as well but 350 bucks it was the all my capital in the world and I was behind like over 33 thousand in a debt with family which you know with bank you can make a payment small payment but you know when you Meet your family. You have to look them in the eyes. So you know you owe them the money. So you have to really work something out.
1: Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Okay, so fast forward, Sadiq, from that fairly tough start to where you are now. You're a pillar of the St. Louis community. I understand you're the head of the Bosnian Chamber of Commerce. Just briefly describe the trajectory there.
3: As I said, I opened that, that place in August of 2000, and I wasn't involved in community work or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I was pretty decent work, and pre- my, my business was pretty decent. I, I started growing, and I bought property where I am now with Taft Restaurant, and I was trying to open a catering kitchen because my kitchen became too small for what I was doing, anyway, I became sick, and uh, things did not go as well as I thought. So, city told me that I cannot open the catering kitchen. I have to open a restaurant and put building in a shape where it was in the beginning of 20th century. So I did that. And I couldn't handle two restaurants. I, I, I sold the restaurant on Grand. I opened one on, 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 on um, Greyways and Taft. And then I start uh, slowly but uh, approaching to the to the community work where we start, Bosnian Chamber of Commerce. And uh, I was just a member back then, and, uh, you know, very soon we start getting idea about applying for the grant that we will later on get that grant and buy the building where we are now at 5039
1: okay, and Describe the contribution that the Bosnian community is making to the economic life of St. Louis. How many members do you have in the Bosnian Chamber of Commerce? How many residents of St. Louis are of Bosnian descent? And... How does the city feel about you?
3: Well, there is about 43 Bosnian businesses as a member of Bosnian Chamber, and we have many American businesses who want to make connections with with Bosnians as workers and as businesses. Uh, Bosnian people did a lot of good things in the city of St. Louis, and later on in a county because our first stop was city so we still have a a good amount of people in the city but a majority now is in a uh, st louis county mostly south county and uh they are still involved in um, in, in in a lot of different things they actually wants to make uh, their neighborhoods either city or county better place for their children for community for everything
2: that's that's one thing i wanted to get at too city cuz you know the neighborhood that um your, you and your bosnian uh other bosnian refugees settled in is is bivo neighborhood right in the city and that was a place that a lot of people said was not so pleasant a place before but once um, you all came in and had this kind of rehabilitative attitude Opened more businesses more so than native-born St. Louisans, um, and and really kind of got your got your hands dirty in the community. Um, it it turned around a bit. Can you tell us about that? I mean, what was your sense of the community beforehand?
3: I was a tenant in the place second second floor of my restaurant back then in 1994. I moved in, and uh, this was a horrible neighborhood, mm. and uh in 1996 there was a big wave of the Bosnians coming from from Germany and from Bosnia so we start settle, settle up right here in a Bivo neighborhood we start buying property fixing them up and it was really blooming and then uh, I will say in 2002 2003 they started moving out in accounts. But there is still a lot of Bosnians in the Vivo neighborhood. And uh, there is uh, many neighborhood organizations uh, as well as Bosnian Chamber of Commerce and Better Bivo now that we are working together. Uh, lately, we form a SID, which is Community Improving District, Mm -hmm. that is uh, operating from 4457 Grabois to Christie Avenue. There is uh, 127 property owners that we want to raise ourselves taxes so we can uh, pay for security, uh, beautification, cleaning, and, and things like that.
1: Now, Sadiq. Missouri is a state that went heavily for Donald Trump last November. At various parts of the campaign preceding the election, issues of race and immigration were toward the forefront of our national narrative. What was going through your mind last year and last November?
3: Well... hope I, I will not get misunderstood. Uh, there is a hate and uh, mistreating and things like that. but a lot of people forget not just in Missouri, in the United States of America, where is their heritage coming from? maybe, maybe they were not refugee, but they are emigrants like you are and uh, color of the skin or heavily accent like mine is doesn't mean anything uh, people try to hurt you maybe they don't even think why uh, uh, fortunately here in the city of St. Louis picture is not bad picture is pretty good and uh, uh Neighbours try to stick together, and uh, most of them appreciate what we did here in the past years.
1: Having said all of that, is there a country you would have rather been resettled in?
3: No. No. I didn't know anything about United States, and United States definitely looked different now and 1993 when I come here. But uh, if I have to choose, people don't understand what we have here. People, we this is the best country in the world.
1: What is it you think we have here?
3: Well, we have diversity and... Uh, we have most of the people in the United States. They are really good, really nice people. And and, and you have a bad apples in in every basket. Uh, people who just either they are not educated or, or, or they saw something on TV that uh, some uh, terrorists did. And all people are not same. People from uh, from Muslim community. They are not all terrorists. And uh, They are not all bad. You know, terrorists, it's terrorists. I don't want to have anything with them. But I am born and raised as a Muslim. You know, craziness, uh, 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 people who who, who do something, I don't know what they're doing. I don't socialize with them. I don't know any of them. I you know, but, you know, people usually, some people put in the same sack all of us.
2: So, are you optimistic about uh, immigrants and, and refugees in America in the future?
3: I am. I am. Uh, I, I have a meeting in the mayor's office a few days ago, uh, where uh, people from few uh, cities from the Greece came over here and tried to uh, bring some uh, refugees from uh, Greece to the to the to the St. Louis. So I don't know how, how it will work, but hopefully they will get through.
1: Well, Sadiq, we're humbled by your story. There's a lot more that uh, we could say in this conversation, but the show must go on. want to thank you so much uh, for joining us.
3: Well, thank you for having me.
1: Well, you know, Michelle, I read the story that you and Eric wrote Mm -hmm. uh, with some interest, and not just because I'm your boss, but (laughs) it seemed counterintuitive. But wow, I did not know that Sadiq had spent time in concentration camps, Mm -hmm. plural, one would be bad enough.
2: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's so much detail. The, this issue is so complicated on a national level, uh, even on a state level. Once you get down to the city and once you get down to stories like Sadiq's, it is a lot more interesting to dig into the detail and see uh, you know, the color behind each anecdote that contributes to this.
1: I was also very interested and, frankly, touched, uh, without hesitation, knowing what he knows now, he would never have picked any other country. And he said, People don't understand what we have mm-hmm. here. What did yeah. you think about that?
2: I was fascinated. It actually brought to mind uh, another family we explored in the fall—a the Syrian refugee family in Phoenix—that said much the same. I mean, they said, you know, things that the, the opposition would would just love to hear. You know, I'm so American. I feel American. I feel like I'm a part of this economy. I want to give back. I want to contribute, and that's much of what we heard from Sadiq as well. He's, you know, as as you called him, a pillar in the community. He's. He's leading a chamber of commerce. He's you know, very pro-business. He's uh, trying to reduce crime and uh, you know, reduce the blight in the community. So it's very much a part of the sort of American dream, American spirit that they've got. And yeah, as you said, without hesitation, he says, no, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else.
1: And you're going to keep reporting on the role of immigrant communities and the economies mm-hmm. of the cities in which they're located.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stories to tell. I mean, we've, we've tackled a little bit of the Rust Belt, especially with this story. Um, like I said, we went to Phoenix uh, last fall. Um, there's a ton of places, fascinating things going on across the country, especially when you get into the local levels of, you know, politics that might be playing out in unusual ways, but also the economic story being a truly fascinating one. Um, we originally got into this in part because, uh, you know, President Trump says he wants to grow the economy three or three and a half percent at least, uh, sometimes uh, upwards of that figure. And economists are saying you can't do that unless you at least keep immigration stable. And yet that's not part of his message either. So at least in the short term, uh, we're going to have some hurdles here. And we're looking at you know how this affects people on a local level, how it affects them on a state level and then eventually how it's going to affect the national economy.
1: Well, we'll get you back on next time you publish one of those stories. Appreciate it. Benchmark will be back next week. And until then, you can find us in so many places, very, very many places. The Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, our Bloomberg app, as well as iTunes, Pocket Cast and Stitcher. While you're there, take a minute, rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. And let us know what you thought of the show. You can follow me at moss underscore eco. And Michelle, you are at...
2: At ML Jamrisko. M-L-J-A-M-R-I-S-K-O.
1: Benchmark is produced by Sarah Patterson. Thanks for listening. See you next time.